Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. So today's passage, um, you know, there's a the first six uh, verses, um, you know, talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God. And there's a lot that we can know about God just simply through the creation alone. And um, I was thinking about that and how what does creation reveal? It reveals his handiwork. And it also reveals the glory and majesty of God. And that's what it says in those verses. And um, related to that, I was thinking about how it says in verse 2, creation pours out speech and it reveals knowledge. And so creation makes it very clear who God is. And um, that means that somehow, um, as many of us refuse to acknowledge who God is, um, even though it's so obvious through creation, that says something about mankind, about us, and how we have the capacity to refuse and deny obvious truth. And um, it reminded me of what it says in Romans 1. And um, in Romans 1, 18 to 23, that's what it kind of talks about, how uh, the wrath of God is revealed again from heaven against all ungodliness. And um, in verse 20, it says, For his invis invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And then in verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. I was thinking about how, you know, what this verse um, tells us is that we have such capacity to deny um, truth and what's obvious. And um, and so, you know, when when Psalm 19 talks about how creation makes it very clear who God is, I think, you know, that gives us pause to think about, you know, what we're like, how how have we responded to um, clear truth of God as creator uh, made manifest through his creation. I was just thinking about um, the idea how this is the Lord's handiwork and how it's shown through creation and like what that says about God. What kind of God do we have? And um, just like you can learn a lot about an artist by studying his work, I think we can learn a lot about God just from creation. Uh, and it just gave me pause because I, I think this is one of the pictures of portraits of God that I really appreciate. It's so beautiful. Um, like I love going to Yosemite and for, you know, trying to go there this spring break with some of the seniors and um, just the, the towering mountains, think of the grandeur of God or fall foliage, all the colors and the beauty, peacefulness of God or alpine meadows up in like Tuolumne with the spring flowers that bloom in June and, and just how it's a sign of God's um, beauty and just his love for life. And of course, even think about, you you know, in the Amazon, how just in one tree, there's like so many species of just things like beetles and bugs and insects and how he's into so much of variety. And na nature really reveals and proclaims God's beauty, his majesty, his how he's bountiful. And all of this would point back to Genesis 1 and, and just the kind of God and creator God that we have. And so when we think about God revealed through nature, we're, we're struck with a God who is majestic into color variety, not black and white and gray and drab and uh, stiff, but no, he's in, he's bountiful, multiplying. And I think that's a portrait of God we must always hold because I think sometimes in Christian life, we think God's just this authoritative boss just commanding us around. And 
And uh, the psalmist also addresses this in the second half because after verse 6 and, and 7 on, it talks about the power and beauty of the law and, uh, and all the benefits that we actually get from God revealed through his word. So there's God revealed through nature and his majesty and then God revealed through his word. So in um, the next set of verses where it talks about, you know, the the law of the Lord, i.e. the word, um, what I was thinking about was, you know, all of the ways that um, the law, that, that the word of God is described in these verses. It's described as perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true. And then I was thinking about the ways that it describes what the word is able to do. And it says in verse 7, it's able to revive the soul. It's able to make wise the simple. And then in 8, it, it it's able to make the heart rejoice and enlightens the eyes. And in 9, it's enduring forever. The word is righteous. And and then it in verse, um, I think it's 11, it says, you know, by the word of God am I warned. That's what the psalmist says. I'm warned. And um, there's great reward in keeping it. So then I was thinking about why is it that we don't turn to the word of God um, when it's like this powerful? And I was just, you know, I was thinking about in my own life how it, it is true that, you know, the distractions are so much more enticing or it just seems like it's so enticing and it it gives temporary satisfaction, but very temporary and there's so many different possible distractions out there that we could pursue. But then another thing I thought about was um, how, you know, we, you know, when it describes the word in this way, um, that it's able to do all these things, you know, on the flip side, that means that we are so poor that we need the word of God. For example, it says it's able to revive the soul. That means that, you know, our soul is is needs reviving and it's able to make the wise simple that means we are simple we're we're foolish and we need wisdom and then you know it's able to make the heart rejoice and that's because our hearts are full of darkness and so in all the, all of these ways um it really it tells us what you know our need is and that the word of god is there to fill the need the problem is that we don't recognize that and so we don't you know, turn to the word of God for what it can do to help us. Yeah, so I think that question, we see all the benefits of following God's word. So then why why don't we follow? And Ellen was saying, yeah, we sometimes we just don't see our condition. And I think on the other hand also, I think we also feel like God's law and his words are just stifling. We can feel that way. We can think it's oppressive and God is oppressive and we have all these rules and laws. And that's the simple way that we can see it and really miss out on the beauty of of the law and how it actually revives us, how following God's precepts is what gives us life. After all, he is the author of life. And so he is a manual for how we're best supposed to live. And when we abide and follow that, man, our, our souls can be revived. Like when we learn to forgive one another, when we learn to confront our sins and our idols and to not give into those things and repent to them, that's so that we could have life. You know, repent and live, it says in Ezekiel. And I think that's the thing is often we experience God's word as uh, oppressive because we're not seeing that you know, this is God. God is embodied in His Word. He He's revealing Himself, and it's His heart that we would, you know, reconnect to Him, leave the idols of this world. Uh, I've been reading a book that kind of talks about this. That you know, we cut ourselves off from God, as we have because of our sin. You know, the vertical connection is gone. So then, simply, we look horizontally toward one another, and 
where does that leave us? And you know, Pastor was talking about this during our MBS about how we find ourselves more competitive, actually more hollowed, more empty because we're looking to one another and finding, trying to look for ways to replace what God is supposed to fill. And so that turns out to be, you know, this um, cheap thrill or that, and try to fill ourselves. And in our culture in modern day, there is no end to that, which. Uh, can entice us and think, okay, if you only do this, then you'll be happy. If you do this, it'll satisfy. And that can be romantic relationships, drugs, sex, just whatever it is, ambition, career, money. But we know all these things fall short and that's, they will not truly revive our soul only when we are reconnected back to God. And I think in just the final application uh, from this passage in verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And from the DT questions to help us get deeper, it just ends with one application, praise God for who he is. And I think it just starts there. Like we started with the first part of the Psalm, when we just acknowledge who God is, the truth, man, our souls get revived. It's just true, it's right. And I think that's one way we can just start in applying this passage. All right, thanks everyone. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.